We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hello there, everyone. Before we get to a fun and informative adult improver interview with Dr. Luca Popov, I just wanted to make two quick programming announcements. Um, Number one, a lot of you may have heard my interview with Super Grandmaster Peter Svidler in the prior episode discussing, among other things, the upcoming FIDE Candidates Tournament. What a treat it was to get to do that interview. And obviously, I'm super excited for this tournament, which will have started Uh, the day before this podcast comes out on April 19th. And that tournament is slated to end on April 27th, which is a Tuesday, barring tiebreak. So what I wanted to let you guys know is that next week's episode is going to be a day or two late. We're going to do an instant reaction type podcast once we know who will be challenging Magnus Carlsen for the crown. Of course, I will have a special guest to discuss all that has happened in the FIDE candidates, hopefully everyone stays healthy and there are no um, COVID-related issues and we can just talk about chess. 
uh, with the guests. But just wanted to let you guys all know that next week's podcast won't be out on Tuesday the 27th. It will be the 28th or 29th or something like that before we get back to Tuesdays in subsequent weeks. And the other programming note was to let you all know that after my interview with Dr. Popov in this episode, um, he realized we hadn't talked about openings much, so he recorded a little addendum. So after we say our goodbyes, I'm adding that to the end of the interview. It's about three to four minutes of him discussing how he handles learning about openings. So I didn't want anyone to turn off the interview, you know, thinking the credits are coming and that's it. Um, when we say our goodbyes, because uh, first you can hear him discuss his approach to openings um, at that point. I'm not putting it after the credits. It's not a hidden track or anything, but um, it is after we say our goodbyes. So just wanted to get those two notes in there. I hope you all are well. I hope you all enjoy this episode and enjoy the FIDE candidates. And let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Adult Improver edition of Perpetual Chess. A lot of you may be familiar with these, but in Adult Improver episodes, instead of talking to a grandmaster who mastered chess when they were seven years old and, uh, you know, can play 12 games blindfold, or instead of talking with an esteemed author or accomplished chess business person, we talk to a working adult chess enthusiast who has shown good results in improving while dealing with all of life's other uh, responsibilities and distractions. And in this case, we are joined by a 39-year-old Croatian dad. He has a PhD in theoretical physics. He works as a software engineer, and he is also a content creator. He has a YouTube channel called, wait for it, The Adult Improver. So, of course, I had to interview him. He's had pretty good results in chess, too. He started serious chess in 2017, and his lead chess rapid rating has gained about 250 points in the last 1.5 years. But more than that, his YouTube channel shows that he's done tons of reading on adult chess improvement. Um, and obviously, his resume shows that he's a smart guy. So I'm eager to hear his perspective, both about what has worked for him and sort of the meta perspective of his opinion about uh, why why chess improvement can be so challenging for adults. So without further ado, let's welcome him to the show, Dr. Luka Popov. How are you, Luka? Hey, thanks, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, I want to say just uh, from the beginning that uh, I'm a great fan of your uh, podcast, I uh, listen it very often, especially when I was commuting to my work. It, it, it's always in my car, so it's a great honor and privilege to be on on the other side of the of the <laughs> podcast this time. So, uh, thanks for inviting me, and uh, thanks for the kind introduction. My pleasure, and I got to give a shout out to my number one uh, perpetual chess Facebook group fan, Tomas in Poland. So it was Tomas who turned me on to your content, and uh, you know. Tomas is long overdue for a shout out anyway for his enthusiasm in the group. So thank you, Tomas, for introducing thank me you, Tomas. to your yes. content. <laughs> yeah. Um, to your content. And we'll be discussing your content in due time, uh, Luca. But since you're not a, a, a prominent grandmaster whose early um early chess beginnings have been chronicled many times, maybe you could begin by telling our listeners a bit about a bit of your chess story. Okay, well, so my chess story begins uh, in the childhood, but not uh, in the in the way that I was uh, playing competitive chess. But it's uh, just so that uh, in Croatia, uh, the chess culture, at least, it was uh, very present in the in in, in the culture. Uh, everywhere you, you look, uh, the Croatia is a small country with uh, four million uh, people population, and we have, uh, I think, thirty grandmasters. So it, it tells you that we have this chess uh, culture and. Uh, 
when I was little, everybody was uh, playing chess for fun. Just, just uh, it was just a part of normal, uh, normal thing that people know how to play chess. So this is how I was introduced uh, in chess. I learned to play. Um, I learned the rules as a kid, and then I play just with my relatives, friends, father, grandmother, and so on. So I just learned the, the rules, and uh, I did uh, no no study whatsoever. And then when I came to university, I uh, I was like uh, 21, 22. I joined the chess club on the university just for fun, and uh, I uh, this was the first time I went to some over the board tournament, but it was very brief, so I didn't do any study, any uh, books, no, nothing. I, I just uh, applied to chess club and I went to a few tournaments. I think my strength then was, uh, I would say, maybe 1300, 1400, maybe even less. Anyway, this was uh, well, 15 years ago, maybe more more than 15 years ago. And then I completely stopped. I didn't uh, do any chess, anything. And then, uh, well, for some reason, uh, like you said, in uh, 2017, so well, maybe maybe even later, so maybe two, two years ago, I started, uh, I somehow I, I just, uh, the interest sparked in me that I want to, to come back to chess and this time uh, seriously so uh, it was just like two years ago maybe that i started really to work uh, on my chess and uh, to read books uh, to do research uh, and uh, to really try to improve uh, in chess and uh, in with the ambition that uh, i will be able to play over the board tournaments and uh, well have it as a ho- hobby because i like competitive uh, sports uh, generally so in my age, I thought that chess could be a good competitive sport to <laughs> to have as a hobby. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you remember what it was that regenerated your interest in the game? What Was there like um, a triggering event? Um, well, not a single, but there was a very, very small event where it's very simple. The colleague from work brought the chess set. To, uh, to to work, to office. And he said, uh, who wants to play chess? And I saw chess. Oh, yeah, I used to play chess some long time ago. Let's let's play some chess. And we just played two, two games and I, I lost both games. And then I was like, oh, it was so nice to play chess. And then I remembered my, my over-the-board tournaments in the university. And then I went to YouTube just to, to see what's up. I, I didn't know anything about chess creators, nothing. And then I went on YouTube and I just hooked up. I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was Ben uh, Ben Feingold's videos or, or something which which grabbed my attention at first. And then I was just hooked up, just just like that. And it took me several weeks uh, that I, I I really started to work on chess. So. Yeah, and now here you are making progress with a YouTube channel of your own. And as we were discussing before we recorded, uh, it's it's like um, it's like a requirement for a Croatian chess yes, player. Of almost. course, the, the the legendary Agad Mater, obviously a uh, Croatian, as well as uh, my friend Hanging Pawns, who's uh, just passed um 110k subs on YouTube. So yes. shout out to those two gentlemen. They're doing great work, and um, and you've um really dove into the niche of adult improvement. And as I mentioned at the top, obviously well-read on the topic. So, um, so Luca, once, once you were rebitten or bitten by the bug, um, and okay, you discover these videos, but obviously um, with an academic background, you've taken somewhat of an academic approach to, to improving chess. So what were your next steps once you started to, to feel immersed again? Okay, so uh, first of all, I wanted to know how to improve because I, I wasn't... Um, 
Well, I guess it's in my character. I don't do things just for fun, just for uh, for the sake of doing things. I want to improve. I want to get better. When I do something, be it a hobby or work or anything, I want to understand what I'm doing and I want to grow in understanding of, of the things I do. So it's just part of my maybe professional deformation or, or character. So, uh, well, it, it was it was uh, very, very soon uh, that I started to Google uh, things like uh, how to improve in chess. And then the whole world of uh, improvement just opened up to, uh, in front of me. And I soon realized that um, there is this uh, special topic of adult improvement. Because if you ask, uh, I mean, all adult improvements know, know this. If you ask uh, some grandmaster, international master, or ma- just any master from your club, how did you improve? Uh, he will not be able to, to, to give you any, any advice. This is most likely that he will not be able to give you any advice because he improved uh, when at uh, at the level uh, which which you aim, that's uh, let's say uh, two thousand points, uh, he he achieved this when he when he was like nine or ten or eleven, and he doesn't know how how he achieved this. He he just played uh, chess and he he just became uh, uh, two thousand points strong. So uh, I I discovered that uh, well this this is. Uh, unexplored area I, w- I would say nobody nobody can tell you how to improve when you are adult and they are not uh, so much adult improvers i mean now when we have internet and we, we can connect then okay you can uh, of course go to lich's forum or uh, on discord channel and or listen to your podcast and you will find other adult improvers improvers but if you go to your local club uh, there are not uh, it's not very likely that you will meet other adult improvers everybody in the chess club in the local clubs uh, are uh, people who played chess as a kids and they just have this as a hobby and they just play because it's fun. So this concept that someone starts playing chess in his 30s or 40s and wants to improve and hopes to improve, it's, well, it's not a concept you will, you will meet in the regular chess club, I think. Yeah, I mean, those people are out there, but definitely I feel like the the internet um, and the ability for people to connect on this topic has um, has made it a more um, more serious pursuit. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be super serious. It's a hobby, of course, but it, people, like you say, they're trying to they're trying to maximize uh, the time that that they that they put into chess. They would they ideally would like to to see um, to see some return for their time invested. And Luca, I think it's a really good insight what you say about, and of course, um, again, I can't pretend like I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a, the podcast is not a part of this conversation. Like, of course I talk to, uh, you know, grandmasters and international masters and very accomplished players. And I do ask them frequently what improvement advice they recommend. And of course they always can talk about like a formative book or a coach who helped them along the way. But I think that your your broader point that they can't talk about like the specific what you know because uh, uh, us adults we really need to drill skills um, whereas uh, for like a, a fastly developing kid that's that's not the case um, do do you do you find that to be like do you agree with that distinction because I don't think it's that they don't have any tips it's just that it comes so easily to them yes yes I I would, I would say it's true and also. Uh, in their experience, maybe uh, they didn't meet uh, uh, many many adult improvers. So uh, they, they mostly, uh, for example, chess coaches. They mostly work with uh, with kids, and they and they they just play with kids. They they show them, they analyze some games, they show them few tricks. Uh, the kids uh, just remember everything very fast. Uh, when you give them uh, advice, they 
instantly apply it in their games. And then they are used to work with, with kids. And then when uh, when an adult comes, then they are like, I mean, man, man what are you doing? I, I just told you a few games ago not to do this, and now you do, you do this again. It's, it's this frustration. I, I was reading about this and I was listening uh, chess coaches, which uh, say how, uh, from their perspective, it's uh, frustrating to work with uh, adults because it's completely different than uh, when you work with kids. And um, it was funny, uh, Grandmaster Andras Tot, uh, he was also on, on your podcast, uh, he's a great coach. And he said several times, uh, when it comes to adults, I have no idea what to tell them. He, he just admitted, <laughs> admitted. he said, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I try to help them. I analyze their games, but uh, some improve and some don't. And why do some improve and why some don't improve? And uh, it's completely mystery. So I think it's, uh, I, I think there are a lot of uh, research to be done there still. And I think it's a new, uh, how to, new thing in chess because now uh, there is an internet and uh, adult improvers are connected and there is community of adult improvers and they are asking for for answers and i think that um, there are, there are lots of things to yet to be discovered about uh, uh, adult improvement improvement uh, everything we did we are like pioneers here so we are uh, trying uh, uh, collecting different advices reading books uh, some read psychology some read, read epistemology i don't know and we are just just trying to to see uh, what is what is the secret of improvement? And uh, every adult improver, including myself, has uh, his own theories and philosophy. What is the most important? Uh, how you should perform your studies in order to improve? And uh, well, there are many different answers, obviously. Yeah, and of course, we'll be getting to to what you have landed on in terms of um, of your own approach. But yeah, it's definitely fertile ground for more research. Of course, I've interviewed a few cognitive psychologists recently. Uh, Dr. Yana Kravec and uh, a fellow adult improver, Dr. Vishnu Srikumar, and they, and I know some other people in the uh, chess community have been suggesting that maybe they would do some type of proper study, which would be amazing because as you say, at least it's a conversation now, but we're still just relying on anecdotes um, and actual data obviously w- would be would be much better. Um, again, exactly. And just, before- um, and j- just to, um, to, to say one thing, uh, it's an this adult improvement, I think it's not even a topic in the in the serious chess conversation. It's becoming a topic uh, more and more. But for example, just the other day, I, I watched on, on our national television, uh, one of Croatian grandmasters, and he gave an interview, a one hour long interview with a reporter about uh, chess. It was after this uh, Queen Gambit uh, series uh, went out. So he, he was talking about chess, how people come to chess, what is chess, uh, uh, how kids. And in one hour, the topic of adult improvement is not mentioned, not, not even slightest. So uh, that uh, the idea that there are adult men and women who wants to uh, go into chess and become better, it, it doesn't exist even as a topic yet in the, in the chess world, I think. But it's coming more and more. With, uh, with your podcast, with uh, YouTube channels, with Chessable, with Discord channels, with forums. I think it's becoming a topic. Yeah, well, I think what what hasn't been differentiated is how just how different it is from um, kids playing chess. So, of course, there's a lot of new interest in chess, as you mentioned, in light of uh, Queen's Gambit and uh, Quarantine Times and uh, PogChamps and all the other endeavors that are that are helping to promote chess but a lot of people when they get bitten by the chess bug there's sort of a um you, there can be um a um I'm looking for another word than naivete but there there can be like a, a freshness where you don't realize 
um, the scale of the challenge of um, of adult yes, improvement. Yes, of, yes, yes. Um, just, just how difficult it can be. But luckily, you are fully aware of the challenge. So, uh, Luca, I, we've got some great Patreon mailbag questions, and I want to talk about what you have settled on as what, in your opinion, and of course, it's just an opinion about best practices. But first, Luca, we're going to take a break and hear from our friends at Chessable. This is your weekly reminder that Chessable.com has a ton of high quality material. Whether you're looking to learn a certain opening, want to see the latest Super GM repertoire that has been published, want to find a tactics course appropriate for your level, whatever it may be, go to Chessable.com and have a look around. Don't forget they have tons of cool free content too, like their short and sweet courses about various openings. And all of the things that they offer feature their proprietary move trainer technology, the secret sauce that lets you actually remember all of the new chess moves and opening sequences that you learn. So once again, chessable.com, check out their ever-expanding excellent library. And and we are back. So Luca, before we get to some of the great questions submitted by supporters of the podcast, um, let's just get right into it. So what have you determined from your reading and experiences to be the sort of best practices, the things that uh, adult improvers should and, and should do and should uh, steer away from? Okay, well, uh, the first thing I, I realized uh, is the difference between knowledge and skill. So as uh, adult improvers, they tend to to study and to increase their knowledge, especially if they have academic background like like myself. Then you tend to approach chess like uh, any academic subject. So I will just I will take a book. Uh, I will uh, find a book which is uh, systematic, which systematically uh, teaches how to play chess, uh, what are chess principles, and so on. And then I will just uh, sit and study, and I will learn as many things about chess uh, as I can, and then somehow. I will I will improve my game, and I realize it's not uh, it's not uh, well like that, uh, because uh, the chess is first of all skill, and then of course uh, knowledge and understanding of chess should be acquired. But uh, it's first of all it is a skill, and if you don't acquire the skill to to play chess, then uh, well the, the knowledge will not uh, you will not be able to apply your knowledge. And by skill I mean uh, very, very basic very basic stuff. So calculation, uh, board vision, so seeing what is on the board. So being able to see when your rook is hanging that it's actually hanging. And um, if you don't see that your rook is hanging, and uh, but it's hanging, then you don't just uh, write it off like, oh, I was tired, I wasn't focused, I, I if only I was more concentrated, if only I tried uh, more hard. No, it's not because you are not focused, it's because you don't see the board. And you don't see the board because you don't have the skill. Uh, to see the board. So uh, this was my my first conclusion that you really need to uh, get basic skills. And by basic skills, I mean uh, just, uh, mating patterns, basic te- uh, tactical patterns, uh, board visualization exercises. Uh, you know, like uh, I, I like a lot this Laszlo Polgar's big uh, chess book. So mate in one, mate in two, or books like How to Beat Your Dead in Chess. So th- these kind of thing uh, things. And you have to just work on your patterns and or, or your uh, basic skills uh, diligently and uh, you, you have to really invest uh, the time because uh, when you, i guess that kids don't have to to invest so much time because they see something once and they remember it and it's a game over but uh, with adults i read somewhere that we need to do uh, the same thing 10 10 times more than the kid to be able to remember 
So if you want to to learn uh, mate in one, you have to take uh, I don't know three hundred problems of mate in one and then solve them ten, ten times over. So this is how it is done. I I don't see any other any other way. So take uh, three hundred problems, very simple problems, solve them, solve them again, 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 eight, seven, ten times until you you can really solve them in in an instant or a second, and then you can hope that you got this pattern right. And then uh, uh, this is I think the the most important thing. And uh, when I look at uh, other adult improvement stories, uh, most people uh, spend years not realizing this simple fact and they study openings, which I'm uh, very much against uh, uh, for adult improver, for some somebody who is uh, above uh, 200 uh, ELO strength uh, to take the opening book and study openings, study different variations. I think it's completely relevant at this point because you can know all the opening theory in the world if you don't see that your look is hanging it's it's worthless so i i think the the working on the skill is much more important than working on the knowledge and then of course if you progress as you progress if you go, as you go stronger then uh, you also tend to increase your knowledge and you can uh, make use of your knowledge which, which you acquire through reading books or watching uh, high quality chess videos and so on yeah, and uh, just to give listeners context, Luca, we should mention your your Lee Chess Rapid rating is uh, sc- scraping new highs, as far as I can tell. So, congrats on that. Yes. And it's about uh, 1975, which um, uh, Lee Chess regulars may know that you know you have got to adjust Lee Chess Rapid readings a bit. I don't know exactly how much, but it might be you know 16 to 1700 feet a something like that. Probably. Um, which is uh, which is pretty good progress, but especially I think that gives context for what you said about openings, because um, like with a lot of chess topics, chess improvement topics, that's one where you know I'll interview someone one week and they'll say <laughs> it's a waste of time to study openings, and then the next week I'll interview someone who who will say it's you know it's the only demonstrable ROI you can get, and obviously no one knows, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But one thing I will say that is clear to me is that the higher up you go in the chess rating ladder, the more important openings become. Um, so any listener should, should uh, you know, couch uh, Luca's advice regarding openings. Yes, I, um, I agree with you. At, at some point, uh, it becomes relevant. But if you are like 1,200 and hanging your piece uh, every game, then it's, uh, you can make a better use of your time. This is the, uh, I think this is the main uh, challenge in, in the adult improvement world, that you have limited time. Um, you are your father, like like myself. I have a full time job, uh, so I I don't have I, I have maybe hour, maybe two, sometimes uh, a day uh, for chess. And uh, well, I have to choose: should I do openings or should I do basic tactics? And then this is the, the this kind of optimization. If you have infinite time, then okay, so study everything. But it's uh, uh, it's about priorities, I think. Yeah, it's it's a very good point. I I struggle with it myself. I and I was going to ask you how much time you manage. So yeah, one to two hours. That's um, you know, that's a big investment, but it's it's doable. Um, and and, and I, I have me. to say that uh, one to two hours is because of this uh, lockdown, and uh, I don't I, I work from home, so I don't have to commute. Uh, in the normal times, I used to spend two hours commuting to my work and uh, and home. So uh, when I'm working at home, I have two extra hours, so I spend them on chess. Right. But when when I Was when that... I work, uh, when I have to travel to work and back, then I'm uh, then I have even less time, and I get to be more tired. So, 
Yeah, and what is that commute a drive? A drive, yes, yes, I drive in my yeah. car. Yeah, and I listen. Yeah, to because if you're sitting on the train, of course you can still study chess. But uh, if you're driving, this podcast might be the best you can do. Yes, yes. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have the opportunity to. Uh, I don't have a train. So if if uh, if there was a train, I was really uh, I would uh, probably take the train uh, just in order to be able to to use this time uh, better. But it's uh, I'm in yeah, the car. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to fellow adult improver Neil Bruce. That's what he does. Yes, he yes, yes. I, I was listening to him. Yes, <laughs> out of his way to have a train commute. Um, so before we get back to your improvement methods, um, hearing you talk about the time that you're investing reminded me of something you mentioned in one of your videos, which is that um, sometimes one's family or friends can think they're crazy for demoting yes. so much time to chess. So I don't want that to get lost. So could you could you talk about both your personal experiences and just more generally about that? Well, it's it's very difficult to explain uh, someone uh, that you are uh, doing chess and you're and they're not not playing chess. It's I, I mean it's it's confusing because like I said, the adult improvers are not very very frequent uh, phenomenon in the in the society. So. Um, Yes, it's it's a difficult to explain to someone who who is not uh, like you say uh, bitten by the by the bug of chess. So, what what exactly are you doing? Uh, and um, people understand if you are, you play chess. Okay, so he's playing chess. He loves to play chess. He's playing chess. But what is he doing in his room with the chessboard? And he he is not playing chess. So what what is he doing there? Okay, I'm studying chess. Okay, what what is there to study? And why would you advance to one hour or two hours a day? Which is a, a lot of time in 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 some game which is supposed to be played. So it's a it's a common misunderstanding. But uh, okay, if you have a supporting family, they will support you in uh, <laughs> whatever uh, crazy thing you do. So I guess there are more crazy things to do than uh, sitting over the board. Yeah, it certainly could be worse. It's like <laughs> from 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 a husband or wife's perspective, uh, you know, better than than being at the club, I would say. Yes. <laughs> but um, but so, how does your wife? Uh, is how does she view the the chess hobby? Well, I, I guess she's okay with this because I uh, I had intellectual hobbies be- before, and uh, she knows that when I uh, get a hold on something that I'm I'm not a superficial person, so I either do something diligently and. Uh, I put myself into it or that I don't do it at all. So uh, my wife learned <laughs> learned this uh, so far. So she she understands that this is just the way I do things. Um, okay, good. Yeah. And, and okay, so let's bring it back to what you were discussing with uh, learning to learning board vision, which I think is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of uh, the challenges that especially not just adult improvers, but especially um, uh, like there's the subsect of adult improvers who played some amount when they were a kid and then came back um, because they have a sort of um, built-in knowledge. You know, say someone um, I interviewed like Jason Segan, another adult improver, or I, I believe JJ Lang as well. Like they made it to like, you know, I don't remember offhand, but something like 1800 level as kids. And then they come back and push harder, but they still have that sort of base of being able to visualize the board. Whereas someone like yourself or Neil Bruce um, might feel more like they're starting from scratch. And I know you've talked about uh, visualization drills and such. So this is all a big uh, a big um, prologue to this question from Patreon supporter Colm Higgins. So uh, Colm, thank you for the support, asks, he says, so he checked out your videos and he says, thanks for the night sight training video based on Michael De La Maza's work. 
Do you have any similar drills, which are not just tactics puzzles, but which train fundamental skills? Okay, uh, let me first uh, say a few things that I will I will answer the specific question. So, um, when it comes to tactics and um, drilling uh, tactical abilities, it includes uh, calculation, board vision, and everything uh, everything else. I uh, divide it into two areas. So, the first thing is uh, pattern recognition. So, to learn to recognize uh, tactical patterns, and the second thing is calculation. And uh, for pattern recognition, I. Uh, I think the best thing I came uh, uh, across is uh, this Benedictine uh, course on uh, chessable. It's called, I think, uh, basic uh, basic chess patterns or, or something like this. Um, and uh, he he offers some 800 puzzles uh, with uh, the basic puzzles, and then you can use this uh, chessable spaced repetition and uh, just do them over and over again. And I was doing this for I think five months. So five months, I wasn't doing anything, anything, almost anything, but uh, just doing, just going through this cor uh, course. And uh, so I wanted to do, to really get these these patterns. So this is one thing. And uh, when you're solving uh, this kind of pattern recognition puzzles, you don't think. You just, uh, you you just want to see uh, the puzzle. You you don't uh, spend much time on calculation. You just want to see the pattern in front of you and apply the pattern. So you you do you do this rather quick. And you repeat, 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 repeat for several months, and then you you remember the pattern. And the uh, another thing is uh, calculation. And for calculation, you need to solve uh, well uh, any kind of uh, difficult puzzles which you haven't seen before. It can be on uh, Leeches or Chess.com, or I personally use Chess Tempo. I like uh, how their puzzles are uh, composed. So you just uh, well to take take the puzzle and think, calculate, recalculate, and then you before you play the move, you check, recheck, uh, double check cross-check so then you you want to play uh, all uh, variations in your head before actually making the move and uh, this is how you you practice calculation uh, for the board vision i think that uh, everything you do in chess is a, a board vision practice uh, basically so when you when you do uh, tactics patterns uh, when you go through master games when you learn strategy you you always uh, you are practicing your board vision but there are some exercises which are uh, directed to board vision uh, like uh, your listener said uh, de la maza in his book uh, offers several um, uh, several exercises i made a video about them and uh, what else uh, about so he, he asked what other uh, drills which are not tactics i think that the visualization visualization uh, visualizing board in your head uh, can be a very good practice. So you can just close your eyes whenever you you are and uh, uh, try to, for example, uh, bring the knight from a1 to h8 and uh, name the squares in which he jumps. For for example, and uh, or or put the in your head put the bishop on on any square on the board and try to name all the squares it controls. Or put the queen, I don't know, put the queen on c3 and uh, try to name all the square squares the the queen. Um, attacks so uh, th these kind of drills can be can, can, i i guess that they, they can be useful i do them sometimes but i do lots of uh, things also so i'm not sure uh, how useful are they but uh, i it, it, they they sound good <laughs> anyway yeah yeah and michael de la maza of course um again shout out to neil bruce we we discussed him a bit in the podcast we did on woodpecker method he's a bit controversial um, yes. in the chess world the the legacy he has left as he has seemingly left the chess world but um but he had a lot of success in a short period of time there's there's no disputing um that um so let's get to so 
So if, yeah, if I can are, just comment, are... if I can just comment on Delamaza, uh, he is a controversial sure. figure because uh, his theory is that you should uh, do absolutely nothing but just uh, drill tactics. And uh, I think uh, his method, uh, taking literary, uh, doesn't work for anyone because he has uh, his uh, some uh, people who followed him. I think they, they were called the Knights of Delamaza or something like this, and they. Uh, there was a community who tried to uh, reproduce his success by uh, applying his uh, his advices and methods, and uh, I think nobody else uh, uh, did it. So I, I would say that uh, his method method taking verbatim is something which worked for from him for him, and it doesn't doesn't mean that it worked for anyone. But I think the the main uh, he's right in the in the essence of the method and that it that is that you have to repeat so you, you take a set of puzzles and repeat it over and over again and then you will uh, learn the patterns i think he's right uh, he's right there yeah the the concept of that you mentioned and that you mentioned in your videos about uh calculation and pattern recognition being separate skills is very important and of course i've act, i've asked people like uh dr dr chris Chabri, like is it also also useful to repeat like calculation drills you know as you get to sort of more advanced woodpecker method puzzles and stuff like that and that's another area um of science that's uh cognitive science that seems pretty unsettled at this point and that reminds me luca earlier when you mentioned um that you'd read that like an adult might need to be exposed to something 10 times in order to remember something that a kid just remembers right away. Do you remember, I know you've, you've mentioned in your videos, you've um, watched, you've read some academic papers in addition to a lot of the uh, chess adult improvement literature. Do you remember offhand, like where you encountered that, that data point? I, I, well, I, I don't think I will I recall. I I know there or uh, when you go on Chessable, they have this uh, link. They said that their uh, space repetition is based on science, and then you can click uh, on on that, and then they they give you some um, uh, scientific insights in in uh, this uh, why this the repetition method works, and they also offer some references. So I think uh, I believe that this was the way I came across uh, across this. I I don't really rem remember because you know I I read a lots of stuff. Uh, I go on forums. People link all kind of uh, of things, so sometimes you just l l uh, read something and you you, you don't uh, later remember when where you have read it. But I think the the chessable is a, is a good start. Yeah, and yeah, and I'm you know I'm not trying to like hold your feet to the fire to be clear because like whether or not it's exactly ten times, I think uh, any adult improver has had that experience where you see it, you do a checkmate puzzle. And then when you go and review it, you feel like I just did this. I should know yes, this. Yes. And yet still, and yet still, it feels it feels new. No, um, I don't mean it, exact ten. It's it's just approximately like do it ten, yeah. ten times. It can be seven, eight, six. I, I don't know what is the number, but uh, uh, I think uh, Logozar uh, he he said that uh, you should do it until you can solve a puzzle within seven seconds. Because if you take more than seven seconds, that means that you are calculating. So maybe right. maybe some uh, some people need uh, three times, some need, need uh, fifteen times, but I think this seven uh, seconds rule could be a good indicator. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's a uh, that's a good rule of thumb, I would say. Um, so we've got another question. This one is um, uh, from my friend Rob, um, and shout out to Rob. Rob asks, he says, "What you think is the best way to improve tactically at?" Uh, your level and what you think the best way to improve strategically. Um, and when you reach the middle game and there's nothing tactically available, what kind of questions do you 
um, do you ask yourself to come up with candidate moves? Okay, so for tactics, I, I already said this. So uh, you, you, you need to do separately pattern recognition and then calculation. To do calculation, you need the puzzles you didn't see before. And uh, to work on pattern recognition, you need some good set of puzzles and do it over and over again. And also uh, the tactics is not something you can learn and then move on. You, you have to work on tactics every day. So whatever you do, um, however stra- uh, whatever your strength is, you should uh, have the routine to do uh, sometimes maybe, I don't know, 50% or 40% of your chess time should be uh, for tactics for uh, every day. And um, it's curious, uh, Grandmaster Jesse Cry one, once uh, talked about this, and he just uh, mentioned this. Uh, he didn't even talk about this. He, he just mentioned that he does... Uh, 100 uh, mating two puzzles from Polgar every day. So in, even he he is a grandmaster and uh, he's he's not um, let's say tactician attacking player. He doesn't consider himself to be that kind of player. He he wants he likes end games and uh, close positions and so on. But anyway, uh, he has this routine to do 100 mating two every day. So uh, this tells you how important tactics is, and uh, you can never say okay now it's enough of tactics. So you you should do it uh, every day. And uh, for the strategic, um, well, of course, there are many, many good books on, on strategy. I, I, would re- I can recommend uh, Simple Chess uh, by Michael Steen. I think everybody should uh, read this. This is a small book and it's very easy to read, and, but it have, uh, has some very strong concepts. So you, I think you need to read some, some kind of uh, book, simple book, just to see the concepts. And then uh, later on, you just learn by uh, studying master games. So you, you need to have some good... Master Games collection uh, with uh, good annotations. And then by going through Master Games, you will just uh, um, uh, learn, you will just see how the Masters deal the positions in which there is nothing to do, in which there are no tactical shots, that they usually try to get some advantage, like space advantage, or they try to improve their piece or to improve their king safety and and so on. And you will uh, just learn this by going through Master Games, or you can just watch uh, Master Plays. So you, you know, you have streamers. I like John Bartholomew. I think he's the best uh, streamer for adult improver, uh, improvers. Uh, he's a serious uh, uh, chess fundamentals and the climbing rating ladder. And they're just watching him play. So if you watch him play, uh, because he's not a crazy player, he, he likes solid chess, he plays on the principles. And just by watching him play, you can uh, learn a, lots about chess strategy. And uh, also, uh, I mentioned Andras Stott. Uh, he's also a great coach, and uh, he also uh, plays aloud, plays the games and comments aloud. And I think by watching the, this kind of streams or, or YouTube videos can be very, very helpful to get the understanding of strategy. I don't think there is some recipe how to learn strategy. This is just you have to uh, watch how masters play and then try to imitate them in your games. Yeah, John Bartholomew and Andres Toth are definitely great choices. Uh, they, their content is uh, very engaging, and yeah, John, John, as I've said before, makes it look so easy yes. when you watch him. Yes. When you watch him play. Um, and what about uh, Rob's question about uh, questions to ask yourself in the early middle game when it becomes harder to to know what to do and you don't see it doesn't seem like a tactical position? Well, the, the, the usual thing is uh, you, you look for your worst place piece. So how can you? Uh, so, so let, let's say the opening is o- is over. There are no tactical shots, and now you have to think. So first, you 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 need to think about plans. So um, when you talk about plans, uh, usually the pawn breaks are involved. So are there any pawn breaks in the position uh, which you can exploit? And uh, if there are some good pawn breaks, how can you prepare them? 
for example, this is one question you can ask yourself or uh, just typically which is my worst place, placed piece and how can I uh, improve my piece? What would be the best square for my piece which is not uh, uh, placed ideally? Um, is my king safe? How, how can I increase uh, the safety of my king? So th- these are these are kind of questions you can ask yourself and uh, in, in order to try to improve your position. Yeah, those, of course, resembling uh, the, the famed Jakob Agard uh, three questions, which anyone can Google, and yes. which he mentioned uh, in, in my interview with him. And then, of course, uh, thinking, uh, <laughs> now I'm drawing a blank, of thinking inside the box or outside the box. I think it's thinking inside, inside the box. Inside the box, is, uh, yes, yes. Yes, is an excellent book. Um, okay, let's get to our next question, which is from Patreon supporter Craig Mallon. And uh, Craig asks, Luca, he says... I'm an adult improver with an online rating in the 1500s, climbing gradually. I spend a lot of time on tactics trainers and openings, so I usually come out of the opening and middle game even or ahead. However, I'm terrible at end games, and I'm not sure how to study them. I've tried a few books, most recently Soman's Complete Endgame Course, but I struggle to retain or apply the information. Any tips on improving endgame skill? Should I consider setting up endgame positions and practicing against the computer? Okay, setting up positions and practicing against computer is, uh, is of course the great, uh, the great way to go. And uh, regarding the end games, I think this is one area of the game in which the experience is the most important factor. Uh, I think everybody agrees on this. Uh, you need, you need to play. First of all, you need to play longer games. So if you play only blitz or or some short time controls, then you will uh, not gain experience by playing end game. So in order to get experience in the end game. You need to play uh, slower chess first of all, because that the chances that you will end up in the end game are more likely because uh, the, the less likely is that somebody will make a blunder in the middle game, and then um, you will have more time to think about the end game. And uh, of course, uh, when you do post mortem uh, analysis, you should always analyze all your games. This goes without saying. So. Um, then, then you will learn from experience. I think this is this is the best way. Uh, you can. Uh, there are some very good books, of course. You, you need to understand the chess strategy, uh, endgame, endgame chess strategy. I think this is more important than technical endgames. So books like uh, 100 endgames, you must know, I don't think is very useful on this level because on these 100 positions, even if you learn them all, you will not meet them in the game and you will just forget them. So I think you should know some basic te- technical endgames. Uh, but most of all, you need to understand how to, uh, how to strategize Think strategically in the end game. So, how to improve your pieces, your position, your king, uh, activation of king, and so on. And I think um, I have one book to recommend. This is a Israel Gelfer positional chess handbook. I have it in my hand right now. Uh, Four hundred and ninety-five positions. This is a this is a book which is a, well. The title says positional chess handbook, so it, it's supposed to teach you um, positional uh, chess and strategy. But most of it is from the end games and end game strategy. So I think this book is very good uh, just to see uh, how the masters played this the, this kind of positions. And then you can of course set it uh, and play against computer. And uh, I like also Chess Tempo has. Um, this option, uh, end game training, in which uh, they give you an end game and you play against the computer. So you, maybe use, with using uh, chess tempo, you don't have to, uh, to to put the positions yourself. They are all, already there. So this is also a good training tool, I think, for the end games. 
Okay, excellent advice. And I just throw in one more that I often recommend, which is uh, Capablanca's Best Chess Endings by uh, Chernev, because it's complete games. So um, I agree with what you said about uh, 100 End Games You Must Know. It's just the the bridge between remembering them and then having them appear and convert them. Um, it's it's such a parlay that I think it's better just to sort of uh, see end games in action, see a weakness get exploited, and hope to try to to do that. But practicing against computers, I definitely think is a good idea. Yes, well. exactly. Um, okay, and one more Patreon improvement related question. Um, this one is from Matthew Feeney. And Matthew asks, he says, it appears that some in the chess improvement community value setting a rating goal, e.g. I want to reach 1900 by the end of the year, while others prefer process-oriented goals, e.g. each week I'll play two games plus analysis, um, complete a few hours of tactics training, and study end games for an hour. Which of these approaches do you think is best for improvement, or is there a third option? Well, I think, uh, well, I, I will definitely go for process-oriented. So to give yourself a goal uh, in terms of rating is... Um, I don't see any use in this because first of all, uh, we all have a ceiling and we don't know where our ceiling is. So maybe my ceiling is, uh, I don't know, 1900 feet and I will never go above this. I, 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 there is no way I could know where is my ceiling. So to give myself a goal, uh, which can be above my ceiling can only bring, uh, bring up frustration. So I, I don't think it's it's a good practice for adult improver uh, to give yourself that kind of goals. I think process oriented approach in which you have a plan, and then you try to stick to the plan. And it's also about these plans. Uh, it's very difficult to make a plan and to stick it for a few years. You can just make a plan for the next month. So for the next next month, I will do this, uh, I don't know, half an hour tactics, half an hour I will read book, and I will play one rapid game a day. And uh, so just give yourself this kind of plan and uh, try to go through one month. And then you can, can change your plans, of course, when you see uh, on, on which areas of games you need to work more and so on. So I, I would say this process-oriented is, is much better. And also, uh, when it comes to rating, it, uh, uh, it, it tends to go uh, three steps forward, two steps back. So uh, sometimes you are in the good mood and you play very good games. Uh, maybe you have a little bit luck and or, or maybe the, your opponents are, are not so strong and sometimes you fall so I, I wouldn't mind um, about the rating that much. Of course, we all have a goal to increase in rating. The rating is a, is the, is the final confirmation that you are you are improving. But uh, it, it uh, the rating should be uh, looked at the at the longer uh, longer time scale. And also there is this uh, this um, effect. Uh, for example, when you read a good chess book and you learn some new concepts, and then you go on and play and try to apply this concept, you will fall in rating. This is almost always. I, I experience this, and many other people experience this, and it's logical. Uh, for example, uh, imagine that you play tennis, and then uh, you buy a new, a new, a new racket. And uh, if you if you start to play, once you you start using your new racket, you will uh, most likely play uh, worse than you did with your old racket in in the first several games because you were used. Uh, um, you are used to your, your old record and you know how to play with uh, with the old old one. And then you get the new one, and then you are not uh, you're still not, not used. And then you you play uh, worse. But once you you get acquainted with your with your new equipment, then you will play better. So it's the same with the chess. Uh, if you read the book, and you try to apply these new concepts and new new uh, way of thinking 
in, into your games, you will most likely start losing games and your, your rating will drop. But then later on, you will learn how to uh, apply your principles. And then on the lo- longer time scale, your rating will go uh, up. So just be careful when you are uh, putting the goals in the terms of rating. This is my advice. Okay, yeah, that's that's great advice, and I definitely agree with you. Uh, Process-oriented is the way to go. Of course, this comes up in the book, uh, Chess Improvement, It's All in the Mindset. I had uh, Dr. Barry Heimer and Grandmaster Peter Wells on the podcast as well. Um, and of course, uh, as as Matthew alluded to in the question, like uh, avoiding a rating goal doesn't mean that it can't be measurable. Um, of course, they talk about SMART goals, so it, I think it can be good to have a certain amount of time in mind or finishing a certain book. So you can still measure what you're doing. Just try not to measure what you're doing in terms of the rating. Because yeah, exactly. That's really not, not in your control. Um, so we want to take I another mean, break. You can, you can also feel, uh, feel your, your uh, improvement and your growth in the understanding, even if it, doesn't, if it doesn't immediately reflect on your rating. So, for example, if you go through Master Games and then you, you feel that you, okay, now I understand more. I, I understand some moves which I would would not have understood uh, six months ago. So this is also some improvement in which which you can feel, but it's not very easy to measure, but it's improvement nevertheless. Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, so I've got to follow up on that, but first let's, let's take a break and hear from our friends at aimchess.com. Not every chess player has a janitor to help them improve at chess like Beth Harmon did. For those of you who don't, there is aimchess.com. AimChess has a web-based algorithm that collects and analyzes your games from chess.com or LeeChess, and then it creates personalized study plans based on your weaknesses to help you improve. It might highlight specific openings to work on, tell you to tighten up your tactics, or in my case, tell me to manage my time better. Then it gives you puzzles and advice with the goal of helping you improve your chess faster. You can check out Aim Chess for free. And then if you decide to subscribe, please use the promo code CHESS30 to save 30%. That's CHESS30. The details are also in the show notes. So for now, let's get back to the interview. Okay, and we are back. And uh, Luca, I did want to follow up um, on your discussion of the notion of a ceiling, because I know that um, to name one adult improver who's been on the show recently, Dr. Vishnu Srikumar, he kind of pushes back against that notion, or at least feels that uh, uh, chess chess trainers might be a bit rigid in um, assuming that someone has a ceiling in chess or that it's, um, or that it's, um, immutable. So what uh what has given you that impression in in your research that that ceilings exist and that you just sort of concede that you'll reach a point where just improvement isn't isn't possible anymore. Uh, well, uh first of all just just empirical empirical data you can see that uh when it comes to to adult improvers you can see that most of them uh, don't don't become like a grandmaster or international masters they it's very rare that someone uh, becomes a titled player and it's a, a, almost uh, there are almost no examples that somebody uh, who started as an adult uh, uh, come to IM or GM or, or so on. So, um, well, this, this suggests that there, there is a ceiling, but I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I agree that uh, every individual is different, so you cannot uh, apply uh, statistical observations to, to individuals. But I think that um, every person... Um, Every every person has a ceiling in the sense that you can you can improve 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 and then at some point you will either you will get old or for whatever re- reason you will reach your your peak and then you will start to decline. 
I, I, I cannot imagine that someone who will constantly grow, 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 I think he's uh, 90 years old. So just, just I, I, I'm thinking like in, in, in this kind of terms, but uh, the, this uh, notion of ceiling should not be uh, disencouraging to, to anyone. So maybe everybody has, I mean, everybody has a ceiling, obviously, because uh, not everyone can become Magnus Carlsen. It's, it's, it's obviously so. So you have a ceiling, but it's not something you have to maybe think about or or be depressed about this or uh, be afraid of this ceiling. It's it's just I think uh, individual individual feature of of each each individual. It's not uh, it's not something exact, and you cannot measure it, and you cannot uh, say, okay, I, now now I am at my ceiling, or I will be at my ceiling after I reach one hundred points. It's impossible to know. So I don't know how practical this <laughs> this notion is when you put it like this. Yeah, and and also I think that to the extent that that such a concept exists, I um, have had friendly disagreements with Vishnu, as have others about. Um, you know, I, I personally feel like there it must exist in some extent, as you say, because not everyone becomes a grandmaster, and it exists in in you know other fields. Often it's more of a physical endeavor, but like a sport, obviously there's going to be a ceiling in your your sprint speed or vertical jump or something like that. Um, and I think in chess, like eventually you'll hit one, but I, but it might be higher than we ever think. It might be that everyone, you know, everyone can be a master. Maybe everyone can be an FM. Maybe even everyone can be an IM, but yes, but when, you, but when you say everybody can, uh, it, uh, given, given enough time and effort, maybe it's true, but, uh, we don't have infinite time. So, uh, exactly, maybe yeah. maybe I can if I would invest uh, I don't know ten hours a day chess maybe I could uh, have achieved something which I cannot now but uh, this is also when I say ceiling this also comes comes into it because I cannot uh, spend more than two hours on chess because I have other 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 things uh, in, in life so given that I can uh, spend two hours a day chess I will reach some ceiling which is. Uh, which I will not be able to break because I cannot afford spending more than two hours in chess. So this is also kind of ceiling, which uh, does not have to be some biological trait, but just uh, uh, just the consequence of my life circumstances. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think Vishnu would agree with that, and I agree with that. Um, okay, so let's sort of to to sum up, Luca. So how are you feeling about your progress? I mean, it seems pretty good from my perspective. And, and what do you, what do you have coming up? Do you have tournaments planned yet? Like, uh, what's, what's, what's the, the absolute latest state of your chess, Luca? Uh, well, first of all, I, I was unlucky to start doing chess, uh, just before this pandemic. Uh, so I had only one chance, uh, to go to real, um, over the board tournament with, uh, long time controls. It was, uh, almost a year and a half ago. So I, I had only I have only one over the board tournament, and uh, I consider chess. I, my my idea of chess is uh, that uh, this is a primarily board game, and it is a sport uh, which should be played over the board and on official uh, official events, and so on. So I don't see chess as a video game. Uh, this is my 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 view of chess. So all this online thing uh, and my my progress in uh, in online chess which uh, which of course encourages me to to continue i don't consider this a real success so real success is when i come to over the board tournament and then i i can show i can show my skills so everything i do online i consider this uh, just to be a, a training uh, so my my goal was to play um, chess league so we have national chess league i'm a member of the chess club 
I, I play for my club in the league, but unfortunately this is also suspended due to the, the pandemics. And uh, just to go to overboard tournaments, we have in Croatia uh, many good open open tournaments. Uh, so I hope then that uh, this pandemic situation will, will still be resolved and then I will really see uh, how, how good am I. Because if if you didn't, as I'm talking to your listeners, if you didn't exp- uh, experience the real over-the-board chess tournament, it's, uh, I mean, online chess is 10% of, of this, this this kind of real real chess. So the adrenaline, the, the, co- the competitive atmosphere, the room full of uh, chess pieces, chess boards, everybody's talking about chess, the excitement. It's, it's just, uh, uh, it cannot be described to someone who didn't uh, experience it. So this is what I, I want for my chess. I want to play a longer chess. I want to play longer tournaments. I don't... Uh, I don't like Blitz very much. I mean, I do play online Blitz for, for fun, but uh, there are also many Blitz tournaments. I don't see myself as a Blitz player. I don't have ambition to be a great Blitz player and to win local tournaments in Blitz. I I like slow chess. I like uh, this uh, uh, this feeling that I understand, uh, that I can understand the game, that I can uh, grow in my understanding of chess. This is This is my goal. I love it. I love you're getting me fired up. I love the yeah, there there is something there is something special about um about everyone being in a room and playing a tournament and the uh, heightened atmosphere. Um so could you talk a little uh, Luca about how it felt, <clears throat> how your nerves were? Like what walk us through a bit because there probably are some listeners who will be maybe they just played their first tournament or maybe uh it's it's on the horizon um what advice would you give from a sort of uh psychological perspective of um how to approach the whole endeavor well it's it's really a unique experience because first of all when you come to the hall uh, you will see old people young people you will play maybe against the kids who are 10 years old and who will beat you over the board so you, you don't you don't know what uh, what to expect then there is a uh, fatigue um, um, usually you play two games in, in one day two longer games it's an, uh, the game can last uh, three or four hours because you have this increment if it goes to end game it can it can last uh, very uh, very long so it's um, well <laughs> you, you you don't you don't know what what can you expect so you, you start playing you then you lose you win if you if you win you get the stronger opponents then you, then you are uh, you are in trouble so it's I, I i like i said it's very difficult to describe to someone who who didn't see this who who didn't uh, didn't experience and um, the adrenaline is very is very strong at least for me i'm i'm competitive i, I like to play competitive so you are sweating your palms are sweating uh, uh, and you you have all all kind all kind of of reactions. I even I got a, a backache, so my 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 back start to hurt because I, I I tend to be so tense at the board, and you are so concentrating that your muscles start to hurt and uh, many many side effects of, of playing wow. competitive chess. So uh, when someone says to me that uh, or, or laughs when I say chess is a sport, and then they laugh, oh, it's it's not a sport, it's it's a game. Well, I could just uh, tell them, okay, go go to one tournament, and uh, you will see what I'm talking about. That's excellent. And do you do you know uh, do you know what your next tournament will be? What's the how's the how's the vaccine rollout going? I don't in, uh, actually. Croatia? Actually, just a few days ago, it was in Split. It was a, a town on the coast. Uh, they announced a Split Open will be held in uh, August, I think. So I hope it will not be cancelled. I uh, there was a one tournament. Uh, lately, but I couldn't couldn't go because of my my work. Uh, there were some tournaments, but they were all cancelled. So I'm hoping August 
maybe on the coast, maybe this tournament will be will be held. It can be even played in the open if if the pandemic uh, will still be dangerous. It can be. It's a summer, so I hope they will they will find some some way to to open to to play this. Excellent. Well, we we look forward to seeing what happens there. And before we let you go, Luca, we didn't we didn't talk about your life away from the board much at all. So, um, of course, your your three daughters and your work are keeping you busy. But uh, what else are you interested in? Um, and uh, do do you have any other passions of this magnitude? Well, I, I do have have several hobbies. Uh, maybe maybe chess is now number number one, but uh, I I do have some other hobbies. I uh, I'm a member of the local hunting club, so this is my physical recreation. Is uh, well, I, I go to forest, I hunt, so the, this is one thing I do. Um, also, I'm uh, I, I'm a physicist by by profession, so my interest in popular science is is always there. I. Uh, I sometimes I I write some uh, some articles uh, regarding popular science, and uh, I have just recently finished a book uh, dealing with the relationship between science and religion. This is also one of my interests: so religion and science and how they relate. So th- these are some some of my other uh, other interests as well. So I try to keep um, I, I try to engage in in this kind of academic, let's say, activities. Although my profession is uh, I'm now. I, I'm not uh, working as a physicist in the institute. I used to work in the Department for Theoretical Physics, but now I'm more applied in the applied industry. So I'm uh, working in the research and development facility. I'm a developing engineer, software engineer, and uh, I, I'm working on, on technologies. So this is what I do okay. for, for profession. And this is also uh, when I, I just mentioned my, my job. And this is uh, I ad- uh, why I advocate doing uh, chess on the board. And... Uh, this is because I am my profession is uh, being software engineer. I I watch at the computer all the time. So this is uh, why I try to do chess on the physical board, uh, because my I, I I didn't want a hobby which will uh, require me to watch uh, to, to look at the screen more than I should I, I I must. So I most of my chess studies I do on the board, and this is kind of uh, something which uh, relaxes me after after work. Yeah, that makes sense. And and last thing you mentioned before we were recording, your daughters are uh, nine, seven, and and five. Do, yes. are they playing chess yet? Uh, yes, they do. <laughs> they they are not new Polgar sisters. Uh, so some people j- joked that I have Polgar sisters. <laughs> uh, yes, they they do play play chess. They know the rules. My uh, older uh, daughter she even went to some tournaments with me. Uh, she, she got some uh, some medals as being the youngest uh, participant in one local tournament. So she she plays chess, and uh, all all three daughters they know uh, rules of chess and they they play casually. But I I, I don't see that they are uh, very interesting in, in, interested in competitive chess yet. But um, okay, they watch me play. I play with them. I I give them some sometimes um, this handicap of time. So I learned, I uh, read some uh, somewhere that when you play with your kids, you don't want to give them handicap in, in term, terms of pieces because that will develop bad habits. But uh, it's better to give them handicap in terms of time. So we put up chess clock when I play with my daughter and then I have maybe two minutes on the clock and she has uh, infinite time. So th- this is how we play and uh, she she managed to beat me several times in, in, in these these conditions. So That's great. Uh, that means she's a, she's a pretty good player. Um, well, excellent. Well, Luca, thank you so much. Um, so listeners should definitely check out Luca's uh, YouTube channel uh, called The Adult Improver. And of course, I'll, I'll link to it. Anything else uh, listeners should know before we let you go, Luca? 
Well, I think you we we covered everything. If you if you have any more questions, I'll be uh, I, I will be glad to answer them. But I think we we pretty much covered covered the topic. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, Lucas and Lucas' uh, email is in his YouTube profile, and we'll put it in the notes as well. So I wish you good luck. I hope this tournament in Split happens. Um, I hope too. I really like hope. Yeah, sounds like it could be beautiful if it's outside. I, as I was saying, Croatia is a beautiful country. So, yes, and Split is, Split um, is my hometown. I, I was born in Split, although I, I don't live in Split. So my parents are there. So when I go to Split, it's uh, I'm I'm home. So it's my uh, home. <laughs> home field advantage. Home field, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. This is what I was <laughs> Excellent. I wanted to say. Excellent. Okay, well, well, Luca, thanks so much, and uh, good luck, and we look forward to tracking your uh, your future progress. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Ben. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Popov. As we mentioned at the beginning, here is some bonus content of Luca sharing his philosophy regarding studying openings. Yeah, uh, well, I can tell you my experience regarding uh, the the openings and my, my approach. So uh, when I came back to chess, uh, I first, like many beginners, I uh, started uh, playing London system. And I actually invested quite uh, quite a time learning the london system i purchased the book by uh, uh, vladimir kovacevic uh, he's a creation grandmaster he wrote this uh, book called uh, winning with the london system uh, published by uh, gambit Publish publishers so i uh, purchased that book and i learned uh, many many lines uh, regarding the london system and then i played exclusively the london system for a time i knew uh, my my opening theory uh, then I realized that uh, I will not be learn, uh, learning much about uh, chess if I always play uh, the same structures and the same ideas. So I took uh, John Bartholomew's uh, short and simple uh, course on uh, chessable uh, with uh, D4 and uh, C4. So I played uh, Queen's Gambit and I learned uh, many lines and uh, many lines and many responses. So I learned uh, how to respond uh, uh, if uh, black plays uh, something like Benoni, or if black plays uh, Queen Gabriel decline, uh, Slav, Slav, Sevislav, King Cindy on defense, uh, and so on. You know, there are, there are many, many responses, and I had to learn all of them and how to play them. And I did learn uh, all, all this. I wasted quite uh, quite some time. And then I started uh, to to play this, uh, this my repertoire, and I realized from my experience that it uh, didn't make any sense. Because, uh, first of all, on my level... The, the opponents don't play main line. They don't play uh, critical lines because most of them doesn't know critical lines. And even if you are lucky uh, in very rare occasions that uh, your opponents will play some kind of uh, critical critical line and uh, you will be able to play your 12 moves of theory, then what? If, uh, if you are a low-rated player... Uh, and the, you gain uh, advantage of like plus 0.3 or 0.4 out of the opening, it doesn't mean much, actually. You still have to play chess, you still have to uh, not blunder your rook and and so on. So at this moment, I uh, completely changed my paradigm. I made a paradigm shift and I just forgot everything I know about uh, openings, about my repertoires, London system, Queen's Gambit and so on. And I started to play E4. Uh, without uh, knowing any theory, so the, the only uh, the only thing I knew was uh, e4, uh, knight f3, bishop c4, and this is this is it. So I just played by uh, common sense, by following uh, chess principles, uh, and, uh, and, and and this was everything. So I completely forgot everything I knew about openings, and I started to learn openings by playing. So play e4 and uh, and do your best in the in the end. And then of course you you have to do 
post-mortem after every game and you can uh, if you are on leeches you can click the book and you can see uh, what is the main line what was the best movie in the opening and so on and at this moment when i uh, when i embraced uh, this approach this is when my rating really starts to uh, started to, to go up so if if you look at my uh, rapid games and you will see that at at one point my rating just went up for from uh, i don't know maybe 1700 to now almost uh, 2000 so uh, all, all this time I was playing with uh, no opening repertoire. So just uh, following common sense and uh, playing uh, one in four as uh, as white. So I I think that in this way you are forced to to rediscover some opening lines for yourself and to really um, understand them more deeply because you came up with them while while you were you were playing. And of course in the post mortem analysis you actually learn uh learn your openings and you you start to to see some some plans and some uh, moves which uh, you might have missed. So uh this is my experience. I know that uh, people differ on this topic uh, uh some many people think that by learning uh, opening theory will give you psychological advantage or I don't know, maybe it will be easier to play and you will lose less time. And I understand these arguments, but uh, my own experience is, and uh, my advice, if anyone asks me, would be uh, just don't learn opening uh, repertoires, forget about openings, uh, play 1e4, play for center, for king safety, for pieces activity, for fast development. And I think this is the way you will uh, learn more about chess, about openings, about middle games. And uh, this is how you actually progress. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy. Thanks to you all for listening. And thanks to those of you who help spread the word, whether it be positive reviews on podcast platforms, telling friends, social media, all that stuff helps get the word out and it is much appreciated. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BennyFischel1. You can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group to continue the conversation, sometimes even with that week's guests. The Perpetual Chess Instagram page is back in action as well at Perpetual Chess. And you can also find all these links on the Perpetual Chess webpage, perpetualchesspod.com. But of course, the main purpose of these closing credits is to thank everyone who supports Perpetual Chess financially. Without you all, we would not be able to put out such a consistent and hopefully quality product. So thanks so much. It really means the world to me. And in particular, I would like to give thanks to the following people and entities, starting off with my friends at chessable.com. Aside from that, I would like to thank David Lazarus of lasmanchess.com. He is the coach of Dave's Young Tigers on Lee Chess, our friends at Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, the Apprentice Twitch channel, A Needy Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Central's Chess blog, chessmood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Ewan Richardson, Farhan Thawar, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harfst, Greg Shahadi, Gregory Gullick, Guven Manet, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jeff Martinson, Jens Green, Jeremy Nielsen, 
John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Mac MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Selt, the King's Crusher YouTube channel, one of the original chess YouTube channels, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the legendary Mr. Dodgy, the Nerd Nays Twitch channel, GM Peter Prohaska, Peter Sodhi, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Reverend Roy Fry, the Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of Strong Chess, Todd Kennedy, the Vintage Patsers, which is a chess.com improver group. You can look them up. Wayne Bean, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Al Hastings, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovics, Antonio Cancino, FM Andre Tarakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Bill Trammell, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Cameron Davis, Chad Hilton, Chess Potzer Spain, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, also known as Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Corey Butson, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskacek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley, Dalen Shelton, Dennis Parrish, Dirk Decker, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Emmanuel Langual, Robitai, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, Ian Mason, Fide Arbiter, Arbiter, Arbiter excuse me, Felipe Melo Perdera, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letart Lavoie, Frank Tor Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zanani, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gautam Narula, Geert Vandervelde, Gene Stewart, George Harris, Giovanni Russo, Han Shute, Harish Srinivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovac, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Benastia, James Muir, Jason Woolham, Jadeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jesse Dacumos, Jesse McNulty, Jim Ratliff, Joe DeSano, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John Tooley, Juan Almaguar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman of U.S. Chess, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I am Kostya Kovutsky of the Chess Dojo, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Belyavsky, Macaulay Peterson, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Mark Wilkins, Marco Bulatovich, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Matthias Plock, Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Goble, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Nigmat Malijanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Queenside Management Limited in Switzerland, 
Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hollenbach, Richard Tucker, Robert Callahan, Robert Titi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott McKinnon, Scott Shepard, Sean Krause, Sebastian Finsterwater, Walter, Sergey Magacon, Seth Ruzicka, Shane Unger, Silver Knights in Richmond, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatiav Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, FM Timothy Wall, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rattel, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.